the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bob France, here on AM 1420, The Answer. Seven minutes after the hour of 10 o'clock, as we continue now into hour number two, thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday, the 15th morning of the fourth month of the year of our Lord 2020. And as promised, and as heavily promoted, uh, it's a privilege to say good morning to the governor of the great state of Ohio, Governor Mike DeWine. Governor, thank you so much for coming on this morning. How are you? Heavily promoted. Heavily promoted. Well, everybody wants to hear from you. You know you this. Uh, I'm good, Governor. Uh, you know, you, you do your daily thing at 2 o'clock every day, and when you do, uh, listeners of mine contact me the next day and say, what did he say, and why did he say it, and what about this, and what about that? So when I told everybody that you were going to come on and answer some of these <laughs> questions, yeah, you better believe we promoted the heck out of it because people want to get those answers. So first of all, Governor, I want to, again, thank you, and I want you to know that I know how hard this is for you, your staff, and I want to say from the start, I do not envy you having to deal with a health scare like this, knowing the devastating ramifications uh, on people from the virus and the devastating ramifications that the policies prescribed to deal with that are having on Ohio's economy and Ohio's businesses and workers. So it's a very tough job, and I respect that challenge that you and every other governor and the president have to deal with. So please know that coming out. Um, Having said that, I also want you to know that I've been very critical of some of the policies in recent days on the airwaves, and I want you to know, I'm going to disagree with a lot of what you have said, but I want you to know it's not personal, I like you, and it's not a sign of disrespect. Uh, this is just honest, honest, open, and meaningful dialogue is my goal here, because like I said, my listeners have been begging for some of these answers, okay? Just want you to know that right out of the start. Uh, last okay, thing, by the way... fair enough. Last thing I want you to know, too, is if I interrupt you in one of your answers, it is not, again, to cut you off or to be disrespectful. It's this. There's so many questions I want to get in a short period of time, so we want to try to try to avoid the real long filibuster answers as best we can. Okay? That's, okay. I just want to get that out. Okay. Governor, let's start with the numbers and the decisions that were made back in mid-March uh, to deal with this, uh, this COVID-19 virus. Uh, actually, Dr. Acton's decision, since she said many times that she's the one who assigned the orders. First, to shut down bars and restaurants. A week later to shut down the entire state except for essential businesses. The original stated goal of this was to flatten the curve, right? So our, so that our hospitals and our medical personnel were not overrun with cases and didn't run out of beds and ventilators, et cetera. Well, this week, Dr. Acton has confirmed we have flattened that curve big time. As of this week, we also have 13,000 empty hospital beds in Ohio, 1,000 empty ICU beds. Hospitals are furloughing healthcare workers because there's nothing for them to do. So with the curve flattened and the hospitals in no danger of being overrun, should we not get out in front of the rest of the country and start returning people to work just like we were out in front of the rest of the country when you decided to uh, close down businesses to help flatten that curve? Well, first of all, uh, Ohioans have done very well. Uh, I'm looking at the numbers every day. Our hospital admissions have been flat uh, for about a week. Now, that doesn't mean we're not putting more people in the hospitals, but it be- because uh, the average stay is longer than the average stay for uh, if you're in the hospital for something else. But uh, you're absolutely right. So we've had a, a week flattened. I was on the call this morning. I put together 
uh, major hospital CEOs from around the state. Uh, we started at 6.30, ended up about 8 o'clock. And one of the things we're talking about is, you know, we asked the hospitals uh, not to do elective surgeries. And uh, that, that has happened. The, the reason we asked them to do that, and they were very much in favor of this, frankly, uh, is we don't have enough PPE. And we don't have enough personal protection equipment. We don't have the N95 masks that, 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 are, that are needed. We don't have enough of those. And so by stopping elective surgeries, you, you, you help that. Uh, so that remains a big problem. And so the question I asked them this morning is, okay, when can we start, do you think, can we start elective surgeries? And, and, and Bob, it's not only elective surgeries. It is people getting health care that that's now been deferred right uh, and so you know we we want people who you know let's say a person has had a, some problem they get a colonoscopy every 12 months well now they're 14 months or 15 months maybe and so we got to get that started so the only thing that's holding us back from doing that and the hospitals are going to come to me uh within the next week a week from today they, they promised me they would give me a plan to start back moving forward, but it's a plan that has to take into consideration uh, our, still our problem we have, which is the lack of PPE, not just for the hospitals, but for our nursing homes and our first responders. So that one, uh, you're, I think you're spot on. Uh, we hope to lay out a plan where we start the hospitals moving back forward uh, because we have flattened the curve. Uh, and, you know, we are not seeing the hospitals overrun at all. The concern right. always is we got, I'll tell you more than maybe you asked, but I'll tell you quickly. Our concern now is any congregate care place, nursing homes. Uh, we've got a task force working on nursing homes. We're trying to get them more PPE. We're doing uh, a lot of things with them. That's one concern. Prisons, where we get congregate living. That is a concern. Any place that you've got people living together, uh, those would be the two big ones. We, we, we worry about that, worry about having enough PPE, and worrying about the surges, and the surges will impact uh, these, these hospitals. Okay. Now, no, there's, I have no doubt that they will, there will be, and when those elective surgeries or, like you said, those deferred or delayed um, procedures start to come back, and it certainly will put a bit more of a strain, but, but right now we have met the goal that was set in what was supposed to be at first just a 15-day flattening of the curve, then was extended to a 45-day flattening of the curve. We've met that goal, and so a lot of people have said, okay, once that goal is met, which it has been, isn't it time to start opening doors to not just, you know, you're talking about medical uh, providers and hospitals, but businesses. Um, so let me ask you this. Uh, one of your tweets yesterday after your briefing uh, essentially said that we are not going to be able to go back to normal until there's a vaccine. Is that a suggestion that vaccinations, if, if and when one is developed in 12 to 18 months, which is the earliest we are hearing, is that going to be mandatory for people to go to work or to attend school or to be in public? I don't know about that. Uh, I, we had no discussion at all about that. But my point only was this. Um, you know, as Ohioans, as Americans, we're used to going off and, and we battle something and we win and it's over. My only point yesterday was that this doesn't end with us flattening the curve. Uh, we're still losing Ohioans every, every, every single day. Uh, we've achieved flattening the curve for one week. 
Uh, all the medical experts say we'll feel better when we do t- when we get it down to two. That will give us a pretty good indication of, of you know where we think we are, barring some some huge flare up. But my point was that until we have a vaccine, um, particularly people who are the most vulnerable, are going to not be doing things the same way they were doing them. For example. Well, let, let, let me let me give you another question on this before you go. No, it's tied. It's related. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, sir. Eighty-year-old, eighty-year-old who has asthma is probably not going to a baseball game or a football game uh, until they get a vaccine. I mean, they can do it. They will be able to do it. I'm just saying, personal choice will be uh, that that risk is much much. Okay, that's a great. The the two words you just used are really what I wanted to hear. Personal choice. So that's the that's the real direct answer. No, there will not be a mandatory vaccination. And the reason I asked that question, Governor, and this is where I wanted to kind of follow up slash dive into the same answer you're giving right now. This was a great concern that I and a lot of other people had back on Thursday. Your last brief, well, not your last briefing, but the the Thursday briefing on April 9th. Lieutenant Governor Husted said, quote, we actually had a call about that at noon today to talk about how we're going to align testing. So who's getting tested and what those test results are, either that you have COVID or that you've recovered from it. And then we can help those people, quote, by tracking them, taking that data, and then allowing them to perhaps move to the front of the line as far as getting back into society if you already have the antibodies built up. So my conundrum, the one that I I really need to get from you, Number one, you and Dr. Acton keep telling us to stay at home. That's why the order exists, so we don't catch and spread the virus. Number two, Lieutenant Governor Husted says, um, once we can be tracked and confirmed to have the antibodies, then we'll be allowed back into society. But the only way to develop the antibodies is to actually become infected or get plasma from somebody else who has been infected, which brings us back to number one, which was we're supposed to stay inside and not get infected. That's a that's a conundrum that basically says if you've been infected, you can go back to work in society because you have the antibodies. But if you've been lucky enough to not be infected, maybe because you stayed inside and followed the stay-at-home orders, you can't go back to society or to work because you don't have the antibodies built up. How do we how do we rec- reconcile that? Okay, what you just said is not what we're going to do. That's a short answer. You wanted short answers. So, so, short so answer. Lieutenant Governor Lieutenant Governor Husted misspoke. No, 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 look, look okay. here's what we don't know. Uh, we don't know what percentage of us uh, have had this and don't, didn't ever know it. Uh, we're going to go out uh, with some random sampling, uh, 1,200 uh, in about two weeks. Uh, a company's going to come in and help us do this. And what we're going to find out is statewide uh, what percentage of us actually, you know, had it. Uh, they, got, they, they take your blood, they take it brick of, you know, for your finger to take the blood and they can figure that out. That is going to be of interest. That's going to tell us, you know, how close we are. And we don't think we're very close. We'll be shocked if we are, but to, to the, the herd immunity that, that people are talking about when a certain percentage of people have already had it. And then that basically gives protection for the rest of the rest of the people, but to drill down on individuals, uh, it's going to be a piece of information that you, uh, I think as an individual I would want to know, and I think most Ohioans want to know. I've already had this. I have, I have a lot of friends. I have family members who think they've had it, uh, you know, just because, well, I had this and I had this. I didn't get tested, but I think I had it. So, so for the individual, let's take it down to the individual. For the individual knowing what, if they've had it or not, 
it will inform their conduct and it will allow someone uh, because we think I don't think we're sure but we think having this will build up the immunity uh, and then at least for a while uh, you know you know you would have immunity from from getting it and so knowing that is going to inform me uh, of what I can do and what I choose to do and what I choose not to do and that might be going back to work that might be, uh, you know, we, you can't believe how many calls we get from people who are worried about going back to work or who are at mm-hmm. an essential work and say, I don't, I don't feel safe. So the individual employee, the individual who's making those choices, that is a piece of information that would be, I think, helpful and the more i, I don't disagree to ramp this up the better off we're going to be that's yeah I, I don't disagree when you use the words it would inform their conduct and perhaps help you know help guide them in making smart decisions about where they go and when they go etc cetera, etc cetera. that's fine but i just want to confirm it will not limit their permissions by the government to go out and to be in workplaces etc if they don't have verifiable proof of the antibodies or of a vaccination no but 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 what you but look, what may happen is companies may make that decision. I'm not saying they will, uh, you know, because they have no, uh, would not be privy to your information. But, but you know, a, a, a rational decision. Would that be legal, though? Would that be legal for a company to discriminate well, against someone because they don't, they, because you've never caught we the COVID-19 <laughs> and you don't have antibodies? I'm not, I'm not suggesting they do. Let me just say what. No, I know. I'm just asking, would it be legal if they did? That I'm asking from a legal I perspective. Have no, I have you don't no, know. Okay. I have no idea. Okay, no, I don't. fair enough. But but my only point is, you've worked at a company for 30 years, uh, and you know you want to continue to work, and knowing that you have the immunity might inform whether a you want to continue to work, uh, but it also may help in a decision uh, if you if you take the test and don't have it. Uh, and I'm not suggesting we even have the capability of everybody taking a test. We're a right, long way right. from that. But let's say you took it and decided, well, I didn't get it. That might inform you in talking to your employer, hey, I don't really want to be in this position. I'll take a different position that is more isolated. I mean, these are just pieces of information that are, 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 are very valuable for the individual collectively, collectively taking the aggregate information, uh, it will help us inform what we do as a society and how we move back. I mean, my point that I was making earlier is until until there is a vaccine, life is not going to be, for many people, back to normal. I mean, I, can, I okay. certainly envision that companies will make a decision to have their employees, you know, wear a mask. Everybody wears one. Uh, that may be good good practice i'm just saying that the the what you're going to see out there is is not normal completely okay and that, and that's fair enough not, and i and, and that is something that i know you talked about yesterday and i did want to follow up on but i want to go back now if i may governor dewine to uh, something you said a few moments ago and you said that ohioans are dying daily and you're right and that is a tragedy every death is a tragedy but this is this is you know the the elephant in the room here of course, we mourn for every death related to the virus, but there are many, many, many studies, and I'm sure you know this, 
that show that poverty and depression and despair kills people too. When an economy goes into recession, when people are laid off in massive numbers, the number of suicides skyrockets, drug use skyrockets, drug overdoses skyrocket, alcohol-related deaths skyrocket, domestic abuse cases skyrocket, because depression and anxiety and fear over not being able to keep your home, pay your bills, feed your kids, they all lead to those desperate acts. If we keep Ohio shut down past the current um, deadline date of April 30th, Uh, and go into May, we are going to see those numbers skyrocket right here in our state. So how concerned are you as the governor? I know you're laser-locked into the concern about the deaths from the virus, but how concerned are you about the number of deaths that will result from the cure that that is leading to this desperation and anxiety and fear? Uh, Very much concerned about it. You're absolutely correct. I had a conversation with the head of the Cleveland Clinic yesterday morning. He and I were talking about that exact thing, and look, uh, you know, all the, many of the things that we look at in our administration uh, that we have tried to do, uh, early childhood education, put a focus on that, put a focus on helping the, the pregnant mother who, who is, is poor get through the pregnancy, have the medical care, uh, have a mentor if she didn't have a mentor, all of those things, uh, if, if you do not have the money to pay for those, all of those things go, go out the window. We also know that during recessions, uh, that uh, physical abuse goes up. Uh, there are all kinds of bad things. So absolutely, uh, we, we, we understand that fully, and that is the, the, the downside of every day that, you know, we, we go further into this. But, but let me just point one thing out. Um, if I said tomorrow, uh, walked out at 2 o'clock today, if I was, and said, okay, every order we issue is gone, do whatever you want to do. How many people do you think will show up to a restaurant tonight? Or how many people, I mean, there'll be some, but if you look at the numbers just taking restaurants, I look at these numbers, the numbers of people who are going to restaurants in the week before I issued the order about restaurants, it was down dramatically. So we, we have to, all of us, I say we collectively, we have to deal with the fear issue. And the only way you really deal with the fear issue is not by, uh, you know, uh, great, wonderful rhetoric or saying, hey, everybody should be happy and everybody should go out and, and, and go to the bar and go to the... What you deal with it is through information to people and plans that show people that we have the ability to, to lessen their risk. And so when we look at going okay. out... And the restaurants. Well, let me think. When we look at rolling the restaurants out and, and the bars, or or just non-essential businesses, part of that is going to be to ensure the people who either work there or the people who go there that there's a protection in there. That yes, there's a risk, but that, that we have dramatically lessened the risk. That's what we have to do because it's the fear that put us into this. Just every bit as much, if not more, than no doubt any order. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's precisely why I wanted to ask you that question. And that fear and that anxiety is only going to continue the longer we drag this out. So let me ask you directly, do you anticipate being able, and nobody is saying flip the light switch on, and okay, everybody go back to normal like you suggested, just phased in return to open businesses, workplaces, factories, etc., phased in starting on May 1st. And if that is the case, or excuse me, if that is not the case, what is your new timeline, given the fact that we are going to start to see some of these terrible things happen in our state? I don't know the date because I don't know the numbers. Uh, you know, 
I don't know where we're going to be a week from now. But uh, what does the number have to be? Well, you know, we we are now at a basically looking like a plateau. Uh, If you're starting back up that number, uh, that is not particularly a good sign. But let me just answer the question. Once we we are now in the process with different industries, different businesses, working with them and asking them, come up with the best, you know, you know your business better than we know your business. Come up with the best practices uh, that we can share with everybody else who is in your position. Uh, I'll give you an example. I've got a friend in eastern Ohio, and he's got a manufacturing company, and, and they were deemed essential, and he's never, he's never stopped. Working, so I called him. I hadn't talked to him for a long time. I picked up the phone. I called him. I said, "You know, how you doing? How's your family doing? How, you know, how's it? How's your business?" And he went in and he told me. It took him five minutes. He told me everything he had done. And this is a long, long old family business where they know the employees. They've worked with him for years. He said, "This is what I did for my employees." And so he got. He told me all the safety things he did. And at the end, I said, "Well, okay. How many cases of COVID nineteen have you had?" He says, "Mike." He says, we've not, we not had a one. Now, he was lucky, but he also, you make your own luck. And he was doing some very imaginative things, still running his business, still being a manufacturing company, hopefully still making money uh, and employing people. But he had figured out, I need, I need to do A, B, C, D, E, S, D, and he was doing them all and doing them consistently and changed the culture in the business so everybody got it, that they had to do the same thing, and everybody was mm-hmm. pulling together. That's what we are working with the different companies and different industries to say, okay, come up with a protocol so that when we can start moving back, and the logical place to start moving back, as I said, is in, in, in going to hospitals uh, and in, in moving them out more, and they're working on that themselves, uh, and then you go to the non-essential, some of the non-essential businesses. The last thing probably that you ever get to uh, you know, is the big uh, gatherings of people, which, uh, you know, we, we have seen historically what they do. And, uh, you know, what we don't want to see is a spike going up uh, and that we are back to moving right. moving upward. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we like the plateau. We'd, we'd like it a, a whole lot more if we were starting to move down. Governor, in the interest of time, let me jump in here again. This one will be a quick one. It's a yes or no, really. President Trump has said that he would be the final decision maker. He's since walked that back a little bit about telling uh, American governors when to reopen their businesses and begin this process. Um, and now he said he won't be making the decision, but he will give guidance and give, quote unquote, authorization to all the governors. It's time to open up now. Will you follow the president's directive or will you just go on your own? Well, first of all, first of all, uh, the way you defined it, it's not a directive, but um, we will uh, we will consult with the president, we'll consult with the vice president, we'll consult with the mayors in Ohio. Uh, you know, I consult with my fellow governors, get information from them. Um, so it's all the information that we can get. We'll talk to the medical community. So yeah, it's 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 getting all the information that you can get and basing that. And what we need in Ohio, and the president basically said this yesterday, not about Ohio, but he said, look, every state's different. Uh, and so we will come up with a plan that is a Ohio plan, uh, and I'm sure the president will think it's a good plan. Uh, but that's, that's okay. what we're going to do. We're working on an Ohio plan for Ohio. 
Back to that number you're talking about, you'll make decisions based on where the numbers are. I'm curious about the numbers, because regarding the mortality rate of the virus, are you or is somebody in your administration also continuing to track the number of influenza deaths since COVID-19's first case was recorded uh, and the number of pneumonia deaths? Because these are hard to find now, and according to Dr. Burks at the White House, Doctors are being ordered to code every death that even had symptoms of coronavirus to be deaths from coronavirus, even though the res- uh, you know because the respiratory symptoms are very similar to flu and pneumonia. Those numbers are hard to find. COVID numbers are very easy to find. Okay. So, are they being tracked, and where can we find those? Okay. Well, let me just say in regard to the last thing you said, that was mm-hmm. that was basically a, a a policy of the CDC that changed. But what we did, we announced this at our press conference and we report them separately every day. The new way of counting them, we separate. So someone can look and see, okay, this is under the new way of counting, this is what we were under the old way of counting. People can draw their own conclusions. So we're being very, very transparent in that. Uh, I will ask uh, the health department if we have data uh, on deaths from the flu. I assume that we do, and uh, we'll make that uh, available uh, to you and to anybody else who wants it. Um, okay, just a couple of real quick ones to end here, and these are random quest- questions from listeners. One wants to know, why is the Ohio health order that you gave translated only in Chinese and no other languages on the uh, on the state's webpage? I don't think that's correct. I think it's in Spanish. Uh, I'll, I will check that and see how many different uh, languages. I know we've had requests about that. I think it is, it is more than Chinese, but I could be wrong. I Somebody sent me a link and it looked that way to me. Yeah, it looked that way to me. And I think people are probably curious because of obvious, you know, this began in in China and and people are kind of wondering why is this translated only in Chinese. Uh, So maybe you could look into that and maybe make an announcement or something like that or address it at a briefing. Um, Secondly, um, A.G. Yost uh, ordered abortion clinics last month to close down and stop performing these elective procedures, yet many of them, including Northeast, Northeast Ohio, continue to operate unabated. How are we going to stop that? Are we going to stop that? Can we send police in there to stop yeah, that? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. How you stop that is, is to have conservative judges on the federal bench. And I'm not going to talk about any particular judge, but this is a, there's a judge in, in southern Ohio that has issued an order that's, that has basically stayed what we were trying to do. Um, and, you know, we had an order uh, that our uh, director of health, as you said, issued, um, and that order has been stayed in regard to it's been stopped to put it in, in English, by, by, by a federal judge. And we're appealing it. We've appealed it, uh, and we'll continue to appeal it so we can't appeal anymore. I appreciate that, and I and I really hope it doesn't take that. Uh, I hope we can, because that'll take a very long time to have new elections and get new judges in to try to, uh, or or go through well, the appellate process to get look, to look, a higher court. Yeah, I, know, I know what you mean, Long. I'm just yeah, looking look, short-term. You know, and look, and look here's, here's the good news. Donald Trump has appointed, last I looked, about a month ago, you know, one-fourth of all the circuit court judges and one-third of all the district court judges in the country. And, and, and so if anyone needs a reason to vote for Donald Trump, if you need a reason, uh, four more years of conservative judges put on the federal bench is a good thing. Amen to that. No question about it. And, and, and this one is going to be uh, about the kids. You know, most high school kids are already missing their proms in April. Winter athletes were denied a chance to go to state championships. Spring seasons have been canceled altogether due to this, these orders. Can you tell Ohio seniors, who, by the way, also can't get jobs now to help pay for college, which should be starting in the fall because of the all of the you know closures of the restaurants, et cetera, can you tell them they'll be able to have commencement in May and can you ease the anxiety of hundreds of thousands of football parents like me that we will have high school football this fall? 
Uh, no, I can't. I can't guarantee either either one of those. I mean, you know, just as a little historical aside, when we issued our order uh, in regard to uh, the basketball games and other 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 sports, uh, we said that they could continue uh, and no spectators but the but the family. Right. Uh, and so that was that was my decision uh, because I get it. Uh, we've had. You know, we we have a family of runners, and they're they're cross country as well as track distance runners. And I get it; I understand how important that is to the the child, and how important that is to to the, the family members. So, yeah, yeah and, and especially next month with commencements, you know, these kids are being denied yep. a great moment in in you know in in, in almost all of their lives. Uh, Governor, I, I've got more, but I know your time is up, and so is mine. In fact, we've gone well past what we were scheduled to do. I appreciate. I want you to know that. I, I know I'm asking you a lot of challenging questions, and I'm disagreeing with a lot of what you're saying, but I respect the fact that you came on to answer these things, and I hope we can continue to have this open dialogue on a semi or fairly regular basis because uh, the people, like I said, that listen to me are also watching you every day uh, on the press briefings, and they've got questions they really need to have answered. So I hope we can do this again. Okay, Bob. Thanks. Appreciate it. Governor, thank you very much. I appreciate it. All right, there's Ohio Governor Mike DeWine on AM 1420, The Answer. In case you couldn't tell, we uh, blew right past our break, we blew past our news, and we've got to catch up on all of that now. We'll try to find some time in the last 25 minutes to let you respond to that. Uh, That'll probably be more tomorrow than today. Uh, But that's Governor Mike DeWine on AM 1420, The Answer. Right back. All right, 1042, as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. I'm going to tell you, I've interviewed a lot of people uh, in some pretty high-ranking places. I've interviewed presidents. I have, well, I shouldn't say that. I did not do formal interviews. I have met presidents and had conversations. I have interviewed senators, members of Congress. I have interviewed members of the uh, senior staff at the Pentagon. I have interviewed Hall of Famers in every major sport, I think, except hockey. Uh, world champion fighters, uh, business leaders. I don't know that any of them are more important than Mike DeWine right now. You understand what I'm saying? I, I, do, I don't think any all of those interviews were very you know important in their own right for various things. I don't know that any of them. This might have been the most important conversation that I've had on live radio because we are in an unprecedented situation. I mean, let's look at it this way. When 9-11 happened, which was just a monumental moment in my life, my daughter had been born, my first child, in uh, just three weeks prior to 9-11, and I was freaking out about what world my little girl had just been brought into. I talk about this every September 11th, and I've been doing it for 20 years on the air. Um, but when 9-11 happened, our course was relatively clear. Go find the bastards who hit us and take them out. Now, of course, as time went on, that evolved into, okay, the Iraq situation and weapons of mass destruction and et cetera, et cetera. But the course was pretty clear. Um, This is a little bit more difficult than that. Not because of the number of deaths, and right now there have been roughly double the number of of deaths due to COVID-19, at least the way they're recording them nationally, than we had on 9-11. Uh, double in the state of New York uh, itself. 
Um, but it's a little more challenging because the course is not clear. It's not like go and attack that which hit us and be done with it. We can't. There are numerous steps that have predicates built into them. One thing has to be done before the next can be done, before the next and the next and the next, before we can get back to some sense of normalcy. And nobody knows what those steps are. And so we're looking where? You can look to your favorite talk show host. I don't mean me. I mean, you can, if you're a liberal, you can turn on your favorite hack on CNN or MSNBC. And if you're a conservative, you can turn on uh, One American News or Fox and you can listen to them uh, and, and, and get great information. But at the end of the day, all we can do is talk about it or interview people who are decision makers like this. So we look where? We look to our elected officials. And what I hear when I talk to somebody like Mike DeWine just now, I hear a man who wants to do the right thing, but who quite literally doesn't know what the right thing is. That's not an insult. He doesn't know. Do you think that Mike DeWine wants to continue to crash Ohio's economy any worse than it is? By this time tomorrow, when the new unemployment claims are are, are, uh, announced, there will be about a million Ohioans out of work in the last month. Right now, we're at about 660 or something of that nature, 669 something. We'll have another two, 300,000 tomorrow. It'll be push us to right on the verge of a million people. You think he's happy about that? You think he doesn't want people to be able to go to events and go to uh, work, et cetera, et cetera? I think he does. He doesn't know how to make that happen. I think if he could, and he knew that people weren't going to be, you know, there wasn't going to be a re uh, infection or a new wave and a new spike and a new surge, et cetera, et cetera, I think he probably would. But he can't because he doesn't know if that's the right thing to do because of, of the uncertainty of a, a pandemic like this. What I would like the governor to do, and I couldn't get into this with him because if I started to discuss numbers with him, he would give me his numbers, I would give him mine, and it would be counterproductive. But this is what I want the governor to know. And this is what I want. You know, and, and, and he has this information, by the way, but, but I just couldn't read it to him on the air and get into that debate. But, but here's what the governor and, and everybody else needs to know. The bottom line is only 0.0018% of American citizens have contracted or have been infected by this virus. Let me say that again. 0.0018% of the population has been infected so far. Of that infection, of that population that's been infected, the mortality rate is around 2 to 3%. One number I saw said 4%, just crunching the numbers. Even giving it the higher number of 4%, that means 96% of the people infected, which is only 0.0018% of the population, but 96% of them survive. Only, roughly, 4% of 0.0018% of the population dies from this. There are going to be more deaths from this shutdown that is going on nationwide, not just in the state of Ohio. There is going there are going to be more deaths than than the coronavirus could ever ever be accounted for. I just, I just that's the problem. And I know that Mike DeWine isn't any different than the governors in 41 other states, I think there are 42, 43 states who have shut down orders of some sort that want their states' economies to be wrecked. They don't. 
but I don't think any of them know what to do. And I think the same thing applies to our president. President Trump doesn't want this economy to be crashed anymore. He wants to open it up right now. But he also doesn't want to be known as the president who opened up the economy and had a second wave of spiking, surging curves, overwhelming the system again and leading to thousands of more deaths. These guys and and ladies who are in charge don't know what to do. And that's the most frustrating thing about it. That's why this, I think, is maybe the, you know, if not the most important, it's one of the most important interviews I've ever done with massively powerful people um, because of the ramifications involved. Uh, Bob is in Strongsville, and let's bring him onto the air on AM 1420, The Answer. Bob, I know you've been there for over an hour, and so have a bunch of other people. I apologize for that. There's just too much to say. But I will listen now. Go ahead, sir. Okay, I appreciate your show, Bob. I really do. And you asked some great questions. I think the governor was a little bit evasive. I'm a retired employee of the Cleveland Public Schools, and uh, I'm concerned another assumption they're making is that they think kids are actually learning. I know in the suburbs, kids, kids do have access to the Internet, and some of the schools are giving good online courses. But in the inner cities especially, they don't have access, most of them. And I don't know. I'd like to interview the superintendent, see what he's giving to the children, and I'll let it go at that. I'm concerned with the... It's a great question. You know what, Bob? I, I never really even thought about it, and I'm glad you, you you brought it up. Thank you for the call. I my We're suburbanites, right? <clears throat> My kids go to a, my son goes to a private high school where they give every kid a Chromebook, uh, and, which a lot of public schools do too. By the way, that's not a private school thing. And my daughter's in college, and they all have online classes, or they have online assignments and instruction, et cetera, et cetera, videos, and they have access to all of it. I assume that means everybody in the state's doing it that way. Everybody has online access, and everybody's. That's a really great point. In urban centers, particularly like Cleveland. Does every kid have access to a Chromebook or iPad or smartphone? And and does every school have the ability to give them lessons via those devices and have them turn them in and actually be learning and evaluate? I don't know. That's a very, very fair question, which is another reason why, again, the governor is, is going to be feeling the pressure of getting the schools open back up, as well as the bars, restaurants, businesses, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great point, Bob, and I do appreciate that. Uh, let me get in uh, one from uh, Paul in Akron. Hey, Paul, you're on the air. Go ahead. Oh, hi. I was just calling you that these uh, people in the media have so little self-awareness. Uh, the Democrat frontline people, previously known as the mainstream media, uh, the professional left-wingers are calling Trump the propagandist for showing their lies and bad calls for the last four months. Yeah. Telling the truth is not propaganda. My feeling on this as is that the bottom line is these people that used to be called the fourth estate have become the fifth column. Wow. Well done. Well done. Paul, thank you for the call. i got to get a quick time out here. Uh, I do appreciate that. I'm going to try to get one or two more calls in in the final segment right uh, coming up right next uh, after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 10.56, final segment. i got about two and a half minutes left. Let's get a couple of quickies in here. Please make your remarks brief so I can get two or three people in. John, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Go ahead, John. I meant to the last teacher 
and <clears throat> we will get through this thing. But the so-called task force, it doesn't include the Federation of Small Businesses. He's got all the Wall Street bigwigs. I'm glad you got the Amazon guy. And the new check's going to be a little bit delayed because his signature is going to appear. According to Treasury, it takes a little few more minutes, maybe. I'm not a hopeless negative person. I'm a Milton Friedman, free-to-choose guy. And it's a sad commentary, some of the things that are happening. The Smithfield plant, owned by Chinese, is shutting down. Fruit plant. Okay? I'll John, get tomorrow John, I, John no I hope today. you're right, my friend. When you say thank you for the call, I hope you're right when you say we will get through this and uh, uh, it, it will take some time. And I agree with you, by the way. They do need to have some economists on the task force, or at least now on the president's side, you know, on the federal side, he is creating an entire economic task force. But I really hope, and that's the one question I really didn't get into the governor I wanted to, will he put an economic advisor on the dais with him and with Dr. Acton and with uh, Lieutenant Governor Husted uh, to address the economic side of this response in his daily press briefings. I'll try to ask him that next time around. TJ in Cleveland. Go ahead, TJ. You know, Bob, there's two decisions to make here, open up or close down. One thing we know, if we stay closed down, we're going to have millions of bankruptcies. We're going to have cities, states, counties going into bankruptcy because of the lack of tax revenue. Uh, If we open up, sure, we risk a a flare-up. To me, the only odds we got, the best odds, is to open up. And one thing real quick, our mayor summed it up in two sentences what it took DeWine to do a whole half hour when he said, all we knows is what we don't know. And I mean, <laughs> well, that's and very that's true. That's basically that's, what DeWine said, you know, a half hour. That's kind of why I summarized that, 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 that way after the interview. I agree, TJ. Thanks for the call, TJ. I agree. That's really the reason I said what I said. He doesn't know, and I feel badly for him. I do. I feel bad for him, and I feel bad for every other governor and leader that has um, uh, you know, just no real answer for this right now. But they do have to recognize and they have to be told, which is what I think I told him, that the cure is indeed going to end up being worse than the disease if we aren't careful and if we don't stop this shutdown soon. And that's, I think, the most important point. Hey, if you are sitting around today and you've got nothing else to do because, well, nobody has anything to do while on quarantine, uh, how, do you, how about if you log on to nosafespaces.com and watch last year's number one political documentary uh, for 25% off? That's right. It's Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla's story of how free speech in America is under attack by the radical left. Whether it's on social media, at work, at school, doesn't matter. They will come to shut you down. There are no safe spaces. Dennis Prager and Adam Carolla. You're going to want to watch this. Seriously, right now, use the promo code SAVE25, S-A-V-E-2-5, to get 25% off. Watch it today at nosafespaces.com. Hey, that's all the time that we've got. Thanks to Curtis Ellis. Thanks to Governor DeWine. Thanks to uh, Andrew. Thanks to Marcy. And thanks to you for listening. Uh, Mike Gallagher's next. We'll be back tomorrow on AM 1420, The Answer. the silence. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.